Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, and today I'm happy to have my friend Angela Brown joining me. Angela and I knew each other from Twitter and LinkedIn for for many years, and we finally got to meet for the first time at Black Hat USA last year, which was awesome. It's just kind of funny that you meet people online, and the nice thing about Angie is when we met in person, it was like we'd known each other forever, although we'd known each other for a while, but it's just one of those people that just felt so familiar and and we're even better friends than than we were then. And I just really got to witness how awesome she is. And so I'm really happy to have her on the show today. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Philip. Yeah, I remember seeing you at DEF CON uh, and you were surrounded by a group of people and I almost didn't come up and say hi. And so uh, that's lesson number one of my whole life is like, just go say hi. Like, so now we've hung out at multiple conferences and it's been seriously was like the highlight of was that last year that we finally met? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was last year. one of the highlights of last year is just getting to hang out with you so many times. Same here. It was a good opportunity. You know, sometimes you get to meet people and you don't get to hang out with them as much, but yeah, that was one of, one of my highlights. I mean, that was, you just can't really get the full picture of how people are from, from online, but to actually get to hang out. So, I mean, we've got to, we got to hang out, uh, during, I guess we got to see, we didn't get to hang out that much like during Black App, but then we got to see each other during Wild West Hacking Fest, Texas Cyber Summit. I got to see you during Last Con. So, yeah, it was good. Thanks again for the breakfast. It was good. It was a great breakfast. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was a fun time. And the good thing is, that's the, it's nice to have friends that get up early enough for breakfast at conferences because yeah. breakfast is sometimes the easiest thing to schedule because a lot of people are out too late the night before and they don't want to do breakfast. And then, trying to meet up with people they all want to meet up after the conference so right so it was, it was a fun time yeah and then uh wild west hacking fest was just like incredible that i mean i already have my ticket for this year so i hope you're going to be out there again yeah definitely if i can if i can i'll be there i need to to think of a talk to submit or a workshop or something and i definitely want to get back out there that was a was a lot of fun yeah right. and it was really cool the thing i liked about it i guess was it's kind of like the people you'd want to see at DEF CON only kind of narrowed down more. So, you know, if you want to see certain people at DEF CON, you've got to sort through these tens of thousands of people right. to try to find them spread across multiple hotels and casinos where the talks in different villages are hosted. But there it's just really easy to find people, Yeah, which I thought was great. And then just like uh, grade A content through and through and through like every single thing that I went to was fantastic to watch. So, I mean, and it was, uh, I know one year it will get big, like I'm completely aware of it, but right now it's just a yeah. cool experience to be like, you know, around so many people that you can ask questions to and, and meet and, and get to spend some time with. So, and the steak dinner was perfect. 
yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, just the, and it's great getting to meet some people there that I hadn't met yet. The people from Black Hills, a yeah. bunch of great people. So it's just really n- nice the way they put it on. I really like the fact that they're putting it on to provide a service and not to make money. It's just really like the way they do that. And that's kind of represented through the way they do their training, how sometimes they offer offer the pay what you can on courses, which I think is great. We need more of that in the industry. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I feel like I'm uh, largely self-taught and uh, the money is has not always been there in my life to, you know, go to the big fancy things. So being able to support a company that's like focused on doing free training at this point uh, in my career, I'm just so happy to do it. So yeah, I'm with you 100%. And, you know, I, I got to meet a couple of people. You did a really important introduction for me, you know, in terms of networking. Um, I got to meet some people there. Now I'm hanging out on their Discord servers and my education has just like wildly expanded since Wild West Hacking Fest because I was able to meet people and get into spaces that have allowed me to do that for myself or have, you know, really just done it for me. Um, because of the things that other people are talking about. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't say enough good things. Well, that's great. So for our listeners that may have not heard of you, uh, why don't you kind of uh, share your background and, and your, your your history? Sure, thanks. Um, so uh, my name is Angela. I go by Ange, Angie. You can call me whatever. Th- whatever. Um, the saying goes, you can call me anything you want, just don't call me late for dinner, right? So I'm a Southern girl. Um, raised, born and raised in Texas. Um, I started working when I was 15. Um, my mother should have known better. Uh, she, she wouldn't let me purchase the clothing that I wanted to buy. I've always dressed very masculine. Um, and so she said, well, you can buy your own clothing when you have your own job. So I was like, I bet, let me, let me go do it. So, um, started working at 15, worked on a sailboat, uh, went into customer service after that and ended up at, Starbucks for five years, had a great time, um, did the early shift. So breakfast is no problem because I used to wake up at 2.30 in the morning, you know, to go to work. And then um, while I was at Starbucks, I uh, ended up working three jobs and I would, in my off time, go to Goodwill and find things to flip on eBay. Um, In that hustle, some people from the local Apple store came across me had me come apply and I landed my first, you know, quote unquote tech role, uh, kind of a help desk role is what it really ended up being for me in my career at Apple retail did that for six years. Um, at Apple retail, you know, I think my, my love for the cybersecurity community really started there. Uh, I would oftentimes be put with people that were going through, um, you know, some type of cyber incident, their password had been compromised or their machine was having issues and, you know, uh, maybe not a well-known fact should be a well-known fact. Malware totally gets on Mac. So, you know, I made sure to learn how to take care of those people pretty, pretty early on. Um, and was able to find through some connections, through some networking, um, I was able to network with someone at Apple that was in cybersecurity. And she was the one that told me that I would be good here. Um, and so I just, Took her advice, got a degree from UTSA in cybersecurity, um, landed an internship through networking at Apple. I took um, Brian Brown's uh, reservation and chatted him up. He gave uh, me some introductions, so I did that. Spent the first couple of years in cybersecurity and forensics and incident response. Moved into consulting, 
Um, and so right now I'm, I kind of have this eclectic mixed bag. My resume looks like a mess, uh, because I've done all types of things from you know, fish training to fishing red team events to forensics and building teams out. So that's what my career right now looks like. The last couple of months have been very, very intensely focused on red teaming um, and very carefully building those skill sets up to uh, understand them thoroughly, to be honest. Awesome. And, and since you mentioned building up the red team skills, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing what you've been doing to to build those skills. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I did try hack me for a good long time and finally decided that it was time. My my red team wings were were ready to go. Um, and so I started in on the TCM security track. Uh, so as I'm studying for the PNPT, um, I've been spending night after night, day after day, uh, doing uh, hack the boxes. Uh, I did some work within the Port Swigger Academy um, and have just really continued to focus really heavy, heavily on documentation. Um, so thanks to a friend of mine, I've got onto Gitbook and have been building out an entire, you know, workflow and process there. So it's, it's been, it feels slow, right? But you look back at the arc of your time and I, I think I'll look back at this time, Phil, and be like, wow, that was actually a lot and it was very fast. But, um, I've been trying to very carefully just document what I'm learning day over day over day so that I can show what that looks like to other people. So that's what, that's what it's been. A lot of boxes. Good. So you're doing a lot, you're doing try hack me and some other things like that to, to practice those skills. Yeah. Mostly hack the box now. Um, I've done a couple CTFs, uh, and really, uh, one of the big things that I, I kind of do day over day is just um, pay attention to what needs to happen next within my education. So I've, I've spent a fair amount of time sort of building a lesson plan for myself. And um, so I'll go out and I started this blog uh, that I'm, I work on called Multimodal Learning for Offensive Security. Um, and so I, I'm aware in myself that I have to hear something. I have to do uh, the actual work um, and I have to, to read it. Um, and so with, you know, but I'm heavy on the kinesthetic. And so I'm trying to actually build out these lesson plans for myself on small topics. So for instance, I've got uh, a, a blog on NetBIOS enumer enumeration where I've actually found and utilized various resources depending on the learning style that I need. So it seems slow, but I, I think it's going to make me, I think it's going to make me good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea to, because, you know, note-taking, if you go back to high school or college when you're in class and you're taking notes, it seems to sink in better than if you just read something and that's it. Right. There's a, I think there's something really important in understanding yourself as you're doing the self-education. Um, I'm not going to just listen to podcasts all day long and expect to understand how to, you know, run in-map scans or use burp. Right. So, so what learning methods work best to you? Since you mentioned the multimodal. Yeah. Hands on all day, every day. If I can get my hands on something, um, I will commit it to memory really heavily and then reading 
Um, so reading and note-taking in an interactive way. There's a, um, I utilize, uh, what is it, uh, Quizlet and some of the, the note-taking, card-taking apps to help myself remember terms. And so anything that I can like get in and get dirty with, that's going to really help me learn. Um, I haven't met a lot of people that can just listen to things and pick it, you know, pick them up or just read and, and pick up what they're trying to do. So some of the the documentation that I'm creating is really catered around like how how what exists out there to help you learn. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And that's just one of the things too. I think it's a major thing is just learning how to learn, you know, because everyone le learns different. I think it's such a failure in our education system, especially K through 12, that you're thrown into class. No one teaches you how to learn, how to study. Here's this, go home, read it, do the homework or whatever, pass the exam and no one shows you how to study or better, uh, you know, learn how to learn. And you take the kids that are fortunate enough that their family takes to the, takes them to some after school resource or a Khan Academy or something that teaches them better study methods. So right. it really would be nice to see this more implemented early in life. It would have been a big help to me. Would have been a huge help to me. Um, you know, I was blessed to have some solid intelligence, but I also have an issue with attention. And so um, to keep my attention, I need to be, you know, hands on, hands on something. And I think that it, uh, it's never too late is what I will say. So for anyone listening to this, it's never too late to get out there and, and spend, you know, if you're working on a hack the box thing tonight, maybe take 30 minutes out of that and instead research, well, how, how do people learn and consider the ways that you have um, uh, been most successful and what that learning style looked like in those moments. The more that we know about ourselves, the more effective that we are. And so I would just challenge people to kind of understand the best ways that they are going to pick up that information. Very cool. So that's, uh, so what's been your favorite type of hacking so far? I know it's sometimes kind of hard to pick when you're, you're, you're just kind of learning it. Yeah. So which, is there an area that you like better than the other? Um, I, so far, uh, I am a huge fan of social engineering. Um, and I have a, a weird fascination. I shouldn't call it weird, but I have a fascination with physical security. Um, aside from that, I, I've been pretty um, effective in Linux privilege escalation. So um, maybe that's going to be a cornerstone of, of what I end up being good at. Uh, the other thing that I'm completely aware of and, and very, very um, passionate about learning is cloud pen, pen testing. Most of the forensic investigations, actually all of the forensic investigations that I've performed and, and taught you know, a team to perform were all based around cloud or email forensics. And um, the threat groups that do email, uh, once we find a really effective way of keeping them out of emails, it, they're not going to stop. So the next logical thing there is going to be cloud. So yeah, getting getting in and understanding how people are getting into the cloud and what sort of damage they can do. Um, that's one of the really big ones that I've been focusing on recently. So do you feel like the has the digital forensics helped you with learning how to hack? Oh, for sure. Um, I think in many ways it has helped uh, in the area of soft skills probably the most. Um, so note-taking, being able to scale technical information from 
you know, the secretary that's on the phone during the incident, initial incident call all the way to their legal team or to their, you know, their own security team, um, report creation, document creation. That's been really, really helpful. Um, and then really just, I think it's helped me understand the, the tactics and techniques of real life uh, attackers. There's a lot of, there's not a lot of conversation happening out there that I've seen at this more foundational ground level about the attacks that are, are really coming through and that are most prolific. And so getting that, that observation into what that, those threat groups really actually look like. Um, I'm, I'm hoping I feel like it's given me a, a, a leg up a little bit. Um, you know, because you understand why you're, you understand why your adversary is doing what they do. It gives you a really good heads up on on how they're getting it done and why they're getting it done and the lengths that they'll go to, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Understanding the adversary, and that's one of the things that makes me wonder why, you know, sometimes other security groups and organization or management don't really understand or take the time to understand the offensive side of things. But you think of sports, you know, football teams, they're reviewing videos of the other team, of their opponent to see how they're playing to be better prepared so it only makes sense that we would do that right in security yeah i'm um i have friends in the in the defer space and um i'm really encouraging them to continue to learn cloud forensics because the second that microsoft decides to turn on multi-factor authentication for all tenants out there and um people start to utilize conditional access policies in really true ways, it's going to be a different game. People are not just going to give up their paycheck. They're not going to do it. So the things that happen next, you know, you'll see a lot of creativity out of individuals and groups that attack the cloud. So I'm really encouraging if you're in defer, make sure you're learning cloud. That's a good point because that's even like with the pen testing people, there were, you know, got into it years ago, like myself, we're just kind of behind the curve because, you know, everyone started switching the way they're doing things to, to mostly in the cloud. Yeah. And it just seems like new companies are springing up or doing cloud because it's just more convenient than having to build out a data center and bring in all these bare metal servers and install that on site. And then you have to deal with a, a, uh, a disaster recovery and business continuity plan. So you have to have that. If you do cloud, then it's kind of easier to plan for that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, cloud providers are, you know, near guaranteeing uptimes of over 99% and availability, availability, availability. Right. So I can see the attraction for cloud 100%. And really large companies, I think, you know, we're going to continue to see it. Really large companies migrate to more and more cloud services. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about it's... that stuff. I think not again to Black Hills InfoSec yeah. that's doing a lot of red team pen testing the cloud. There's a, a, a lot of organizations out there that are doing it. Um, but some of the, some of the stuff coming out of Black Hills, I'm trying to pay really close attention to because, uh, they're, they're spot on on how these threat actors are doing it. Yeah. So have you taken their breaching the cloud course? Uh, I haven't paid. I've, uh, done the free webinars. Um, so, but yeah, I've, I've tried to pick up as many of those as I can. Very cool. So one of the things I've noticed too, and that, you know, especially in the past few months, you've 
done some really creative stuff with your blogging and art and stuff. Do you find that that exercising that creative muscle, is that helping you out technically? Totally. Um, you know, I, I've always had art in my, you know, in my eyesight somewhere. Um, I went to college the first time for photography and I just decided I couldn't make money off of it in a traditional way. And there was no way that I was going to be able to use a degree in photography. And so now, you know, I do the, the dark sky photography and I feel like it gets me out into nature in a, in a great way. Um, but I've been utilizing mid journey for, uh, a lot of artwork on some, some blog posts and LinkedIn posts that I do. I feel like it's kind of satiates a couple different areas. One, my brain just gets to tell a computer to create things that are always sitting there, images that are always sitting there. And then two, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm training AI to consider kind of a diverse population, not just uh, what is being fed into it by mm -hmm. people using it. Um, so I had, I've had a really hard time getting it to give me images that are diverse people and doing diverse things. And um, so, yeah, I th but I think it really helps. There's, um, I've talked about it a little bit and I know you and I have shared a couple of things here and there, but I try to do things with my brain and with my hands, especially. So whether it be lock picking or some woodworking, I try to do things that are, that are creative as well. Um, because the establishment of new connections within your brain and I've had a, a type of cranial decompression. So I've, I've done some like very limited understanding on, on what the brain does and how it processes learning. Um, but the more creative things that you do, especially with your hands, the, the more healthy your brain becomes and the more connections that are established uh, within it. So yeah, the creative stuff is just, it's just icing on the cake and I get to make pretty pictures. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that's kind of interesting about that is I came across something recently, been reading up on some ways to learn faster, to, you know, to enhance your brain because, you know, as you get older and stuff, it's, you know, kind of affects your ability to learn and the neuroplasticity of your brain, all this to, to further grow, just studying those things. And some people seeing how, you know, by doing art or other things that can help you, you know, with your technical skills. So it's kind of good to, to keep that in mind. And one of the things I like to make a lot of analogies with sports and thinking, because, you know, the brain, you can almost look at it as a muscle. And so when you look at the concept of doing creative things and technology, it's kind of like cross training. Yes. You know, a lot of times in sports, they, they, uh, kind of try to get their athletes to do cross training because, you know, once upon a time, athletes would play that season the sports have had some off season they really put it much effort into it but you take some of these countries that have really successful olympic teams like russia for instance when their kids are starting out as when people are starting out as children they do all these different sports before they specialize to build development in all these different areas and so when they develop that and they're a better all all-around athlete they can really pinpoint in what they should specialize in but also the cross training in sports, if you're doing different things, then you're less likely to get injured because you're doing the same thing over and over again. So right. it just kind of makes sense that throwing in something creative is going to help. And also maybe you're bored or something. And sometimes creative stuff can help with stress. I hear it's yeah. a good stress reliever. Yeah. You know, you've got a couple things there. Um, and I go back to the, the, the football players that dance, that do dancing or yoga. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, for me, 
I feel like in many ways I I woke up in about seven and a half years ago after I had this cranial decompression. I had a birth defect that was giving me really bad migraines for a long time, a long, long time. Um, and so I feel like the, from the second that I woke up, I just needed to uh, cater to what my brain was telling me to do, which was learn and grow and do things. And and really part of that is stretching myself into spaces of art um, and, and hands-on stuff. So, you know, we do, um, I've overhauled furniture, um, you know, anything that I can do to sort of stretch where, what I understand and, and move into spaces that uh, might help me, you know, kind of grasp what's going on in this world a little bit more. Like I want to do all of those things. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's, there are certain types of um, exercise plans that kind of have you doing short bursts of different types of exercises. And and that's really what I like to do with my brain sometimes too. So, um, I encourage anyone that's out there to, you know, cater to that, yeah. cater to that thing, but also it really helps me with burnout, which is a huge mm. component of this as well. Uh, I really for me personally, choosing to go out there and do other things really helps me bring back to kind of this like center place of why I'm in cybersecurity. And and that day over day is what helps keep me out of burnout at this point. And that's hopefully hear a lot of- probably ever will. Yeah, that's one of the things that, that I see too. It just seems like when you have something else to take your mind off of it, you're maybe it's something you're doing for your day to day and you're getting stressed and get away from that, do something else to take your mind off of it, you know? So yeah. And one Give you some too, perspective. Like the, yeah, definitely. One of the things too, you mentioned before with the AI train, the AI and, you know, diversity is so important, but the, it's interesting. You take that theme across everything, across people, across things that you do in learning and not just stick with one thing and you're just going to be more well-rounded. Right. Yeah. Diversity of all things. Isn't it fun anyway when the pizza party yeah. that you're hanging out at has a bunch of different people? Yeah. Um, so that's that's my my whole thought with this entire life is I'm just trying to have a fun pizza party. <laughs> yeah, and it's good because it's good too because even your your the things you're interested in, you've got all your security people, but th- there's people like yourself that I enjoy talking to because it's not all security all the time. You know, I've got some of my former coworkers that we meet for lunch, and we don't talk rarely anything about security outside the community and other things. So it's like you need a break to to talk about other things sometimes. Right. Right. And how cool is that, that that person that you can talk about fishing or not the pH, but like the F fishing, right. Is maybe also someone that you could talk about the pH fishing with. I think that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. Some of the conversations conversations you can have and and stuff around cybersecurity, finding more diverse relationships where people have more than one interest, and it's just such a great way to learn from other people too. And one of the things, as far as learning from people, one of the things I've done too, and and I kind of attribute a lot of this to my daughter, is learning more about the younger generations and and how things change. Because one of the things sometimes some people they're older are so set in their ways. They don't, they're not willing to see that things are evolving. They need to change with the times and keep a close mind. But one of the things I really think people should do is stay in tune to what's going on younger generations and try to learn from, from those different relationships. Yeah. 
I agree with that. I mean, you know, and I'm I'm in my my mid thirties at this point. Um, but I look at the generations that are coming up and the the willingness to try new things and to fail and to go again and to, you know, just find themselves. I I personally find that incredibly endearing because in essence, that's something that I hold really dear as well. And so I think that there's an opportunity for all of us to sort of sit down and understand the the strengths of of each group that that comes into play. Um, and, and hitting that hitting on diversity again, too, right? We know that more diverse teams, um, that there can be a higher level of, um, uh, of profitability. There's a higher level of creative, creative findings. There's more innovation. Um, so I'm, I'm a big proponent for just kind of getting, uh, this community to the next place altogether. Um, I was fortunate to listen to Tanisha's, uh, your conversation with Tanisha on my walk a little bit earlier. And um, I found that, you know, her, she said something that really kind of hit me, which was, you know, she's just trying to figure out and trying to help people do this all, all together at the same time. So like mm-hmm. the girls hack village, for instance, was not just a girls hack village. There were a ton of different people there at this uh, last DEF CON. And I cannot wait to see what that's going to do this year. Um, it, I can just imagine the inclusive and, and incredible space that that's going to be. Because there's this intent on, again, like bringing everyone to the pizza party. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I think that's a great, a great idea is to you know, ensure that we're bringing along the, the younger generation as well. Um, which some of the documentation that I'm doing, it's, you know, some of it's for me and some of it's for, for watching uh, my own self progress, but definitely nothing that I create is solely for myself. It's, you know, it's for anyone that's trying to come up behind me, especially women. There's not, I don't know a ton of women in the offensive security space. And so I want to be able to hand something to any, any woman, any person really that I come across and say, this is how I did it. This is exactly how I got here. So no tangenty. Sorry about that, Philip. That's okay. That's awesome. Yes. I think it, that's a good message there because that's one of the things I, I, I like. And one of the things that I've kind of discovered too is when you're doing things for others, it opens up so much more opportunity. You know, whether you're religious, you, it's the universe or how your point of view is. You do, right. you know, our karma, you do good things, good things happen. And, and kind of when I started focusing more of my energy on teaching and mentoring and helping others, it's just ridiculous opportunities are coming through. Not really the reason I'm doing it, but just to feel good at helping people is, I guess, maybe kind of a selfish thing. But all the other benefits that come along with that is just, and, and you know, I'm sure you you see that as well by helping others. It's just it just seems like the universe or whatever it is opens up more opportunities. And yeah. Um, the, the discord channels back to that topic from earlier, the second that, um, the second that I was brought into those spaces, my education just took off and it was through kind of this willingness to, um, to step in and help. So um, one of the discord, uh, channels that I'm on, I, I help moderate that and, uh, create some artwork and some fun stuff for that. But because of the willingness to get in and roll your sleeves up and sort of get in there. Um, 
I've been able to to just take off myself. It was never the intention, right? The intention mm-hmm. was just to kind of see what people were doing, kind of figure out what what these what these servers were all about. And the same thing with Wesis Neurodiversity Group. Uh, when I stepped in to to take a role there, and I've since stepped out of that role just due to needing to sort of refocus on some things. But stepping in there put me solely in a an incredible group of people that are neurodiverse and and trying to figure this world out all together. And um, I think that that alone just was such a huge benefit to understanding how other people function. So um, service heart, right? Service heart, service mindset. Mm-hmm. It it pays you back. Um, it does. You've got to be willing to take it back, but you've, um, that's one of the, the, the biggest things that I've learned from this life. And, you know, I was a, Girl Scout until I was like 18 years old and an FFA in 4-H. So it's been around for a long time. An interesting thing too is, is the fact that, you know, you're helping other people, you get that positive feeling from helping other people, but you're also spreading that mindset. You're, you're leading by example. You're encouraging other people to do that. They get in see what it's like. Plus you, it connects you to some really cool people too. Yeah. I would not have been able to meet you unless, um, you know, I probably would have eventually, but I don't think you and I would be as solid as friends as we are. Um, you know, I I hadn't gotten out there and and just sort of tried to make my mark in this space. Um, and so I, I think it. You know, I'm always grateful for just being able to to take a stand and to try to make this place better. The reason I got into cybersecurity in the first place was that I, I and I've made this joke before, but I could have been a marine biologist. I love. I love the ocean. I want to save the ocean, right? But the reason that I did cybersecurity is because I know that I can help people. And so when you when you bring back and you make decisions based on those initial values or that like original ethos, it really it really helps you proceed forward in this space, right? I agree. Uh, so what what are your kind of thoughts as someone's wanting to get started in cybersecurity or more specific, maybe even offensive security? What are some tips you would give someone that's wanting to get started? Uh, of course, understand how you learn, understand where your resources are. Don't pay, uh, don't pay a lot of money up front. There's a lot of incredibly useful resources that you can get for free. Um, and definitely find your community as fast as possible. I spent several years learning offensive security things on my own, but these last four or five months have been, um, it's been astronomical, really, the amount of work that I've been able to sort of step into just because I, you know, made friends, right? Um, And I think maybe last but not least is the second that you figure out how to get a step up, Pause, turn around, see who needs uh, see who needs a hand to be brought up with with you. The way to really learn things is to teach somebody something. And I know you know this because you've done so much teaching and so much mentoring within the space. But really, the the way that you truly learn how these things work and function is by talking to somebody else about it. Um, and you're gonna fail. That's that is actually maybe the last one. Uh, not only are you going to fail, but you failing. In this space, an offensive security is the very best thing that you can do for yourself. Like, you're going to learn so much more from your failures than you will by popping a shell 
just mad, you know, magic. The first thing you do, you've got a shell. That's doesn't teach you so much as as failing and being willing to keep going after that failure. Uh, very, very wise words there. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share that we didn't discuss? Um, oh man, Philip, I think, <laughs> uh, we've got a great discord channel. Hit me up on LinkedIn. If you would like an invite, um, and support black girls hack, that's, that's an organization that watching from the inside and the outside, it's an organization that's going to make, um, incredible strides in this community. So find ways to support them. I know they're looking for sponsors for the girls hack village. Um, you can donate monthly. You can promote Tanisha's work. Uh, you can promote the entire, you know, organization's work on LinkedIn. But find find a way to uh, find a, an organization to support and go go all in. So that's all I think I've got to say. Yeah, definitely a great organization. And and uh, you know, if people don't have the money to do that or the time, just sharing those yeah. resources with people would be great. Yep. The most powerful thing um, that I think I've done for myself is to get on LinkedIn and be unafraid to post my successes and my failures and connect with people authentically. And, and, you know, really sometimes just promoting out the ideas of an organization is just as much of a gift as doing anything else. So totally. Well, thanks for joining. It was uh, awesome to have you on this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I hope I see you uh, really soon. We're, we're only a couple hundred miles from each other anyway. So yeah, hopefully so. It's, it's been it's been since like November or so, but it seems like too long. So <laughs> hopefully we'll see each other soon. Agreed. Cool. Thanks for having me on, Philip. Oh, thanks for joining. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.